for each time that you are maximizing for impressions or optimizing for impressions, not linking people out, right? You keeping people on platform and engage on that platform. You are essentially building up your algorithmic capital. You're listening to the Content 10X Podcast, where it's all about content repurposing. I'm Amy Woods, and I'm here to help you maximize your content and find smart ways to get your message in front of more of the right people, whilst also saving time. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Content 10X Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Woods, and this week is a guest interview. And boy, do I have a great guest to share with you this week. My guest is Amanda Natividad, and we're talking about zero-click content and much more as well. Now, Amanda is the VP of Marketing for audience research startup Spark Toro. You may remember we spoke to Rand Fishkin, the co-founder and CEO of Spark Toro, in episode 192. So now it's time to speak to Amanda. She's also a contributor for Adweek. She's a trained chef, which she talks about on the episode, a former journalist, and she previously led marketing for Growth Machine, Liftopia. She built Fitbit's B2B content program, and she led content and communications for Naturebox. She's an exceptional marketer, and I really recommend you go follow her on Twitter and LinkedIn. Now, in this episode, we talk about zero-click content, what it is, why it's important, examples, how to measure it, and more. We also dig into Spark Toro's live office hours content and Amanda's approach to research and repurposing for it, and we talk about mistakes to avoid with content. It's an absolutely fantastic conversation. Let's jump in. Amanda, welcome to the Content 10X podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me, Amy. It's really, really good to hear, have you here today. I'm very excited for this conversation. Um, so before we get into the main sort of topics of the day, I'd love to ask you, Amanda, could you share a bit about your career today? So uh, a bit of a tour of just how you've got to where you are now in your career. Yeah. So I never set out to be a marketer. When when I was in college, I was very set on, I'm going to be a journalist. I'm going to be a print journalist. I'm going to be so serious and, you know, I don't know, win awards maybe one day. Um, so I, I worked at, fresh out of college, I worked at a digital media and tech news site called paidcontent.org. This was one of the original tech blogs. So like this came out around the time TechCrunch first came out, around the time GigaOM came out. And that was really where I learned how to blog, like how I learned how to write online. Um, from there, I worked at gigaohm.com by way of acquisition. Um, had wonderful colleagues and really loved what I did. But I also felt myself plateauing. Like I felt like, oh, maybe I wasn't meant to be a journalist. So I had my quarter life crisis right on time, <laughs> decided to um, go to culinary school and see, you know what, now I'm going to become a food writer. That's what I'm going to do. Only I didn't do any research on this. <laughs> I just decided, oh, I'm going to be a food writer and I need to go to culinary school to, you know, develop some kind of clout without ever having done research on the industry. Quickly learned there are very few food writing jobs. So there are like eight of them and they are, you know, occupied by culinary legends, right? So all people I look up to. 
Um, and from there, I ended up, that was kind of how I stumbled into content marketing because I this was at a point in, you know, in my life slash in content marketing where I think this, I think this must have been, well, this was around around 2012-ish. So at this point in content marketing, I think a lot um some of the most interesting blogs had kind of graduated from what is X, what how to do how to Y, and started to get more into sort of um I've heard it been called like brain journalism content, where it's content marketing but kind of rooted in journalism. So that was sort of my entryway into content marketing. So I thought, oh, I can write things. I know how to run a blog. I can probably do this. And from there, kind of, you know, I, I, I pitched myself to a number of different kinds of startups, mostly food-related startups, and ended up finding a job at a snack startup called NatureBox. And there I, you know, ran the blog, did some organic social media, and because of my journalism experience, ended up kind of being their de facto head of PR for a while. Really interesting. You know what's so funny, Amanda? Like, honestly, every time anyone says to me, if you could do any job in the world, what would you do? I always say a food writer, <laughs> just like you. I wonder if I'm going to end up having a midlife crisis soon and I'm going to go into culinary school as well because you, you telling that story made me laugh so much. I always say, I don't know. I think I'd just love to be a food writer and like travel the world eating at the Michelin style restaurants of the world and just write about it. That would be my ideal that job. Would be, so. Right, that would be beautiful. Um, yeah. I will say culinary school was a, was a really fantastic experience. Um, just as an experience as a whole and I felt like it was it was it was really important for me as a young I, I would say I'm saying young adult but I was in my 20s <laughs> but you know when you're in your 20s you often feel like a kid um, so I felt like a young adult and it was really formative for me in that experience because it really challenged me physically to just do something different, right? To be on my feet for like six hours a night, chopping things, lifting heavy things. That, that wasn't what I was used to. It wasn't didn't, wasn't what I came from. And also just working in a very truly fast paced environment where everything's hot and everything's sharp and you have to be careful and people are yelling at you mostly out of necessity. It, it was just a, a very, um, very stark change of pace that I think was a great growing opportunity for me. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a high pressure environment, isn't it? And I'm sure you took like amazing skills from that, even though it wasn't something that you continue to pursue down. You, you take something from everything, don't you? So I'm sure there's a considerable amount of transferable skills that came from that experience too, which is cool. <laughs> and then we fast forward to today, as you said, and and um, we'll chat a bit about um, Spark Toro and, and all of that in a moment. What I wanted to jump into is the zero click content. So I've seen you talk a lot about um, zero click content on online. You do a fantastic job of um, explaining your your take on this. And I've seen you get some really wonderful engagement on uh, social media platforms when you've had the conversations about zero click content. So I guess like, you know, important question number one, what is zero click content and why is it important? So zero click content is publishing content to any given platform, whether it's social media, Google, email newsletter, for which clicking to leave the platform is only additive to the user experience, not required. 
So there's standalone discrete value in consuming that tweet, that thread, that 100 word LinkedIn post where the reader who's scrolling by can realize some of that immediate value go, oh, I understand that, great. And can either keep going about their day, keep moving by, or they can, if they want to, click to learn more and get even more context for what that what that piece is about. It's so um, it's so interesting because you know Content 10x we're a re- repurposing agency, so we work with um, businesses, and we're you know like an example would be maybe slicing and dicing their longer form videos or podcasts into shorter content. I've never actually said that that like the term zero click content but a massive thing for us is when we choose a video teaser or a you know a quote image but usually let's talk about short videos a massive thing is that they must stand alone so anyone who's worked in my team probably many times has had like the feedback comment this doesn't stand alone please can you find another clip that stands alone and when we do our training when new people come on board and things like that a massive like part of the training is you must find content that stands alone doesn't require what was said before and doesn't require what's said after to um on its own in its own right add value I, I guess i wanted to dig into the click side of things so what we usually do is um we'll often kind of alternate so it'll be short snappy pieces of content that um does have a call to action so it stood alone and it added value but there'll still be this came from um, this webinar or this came from this youtube video so if you want you know more great tips like this or more advice like this then here's here where you can go and then we'll make sure those are just for engagement so there literally isn't anywhere to click to is enjoy this and engage with it and probably then ask a question what do you think or you know what's your opinion on on that tip what would you say in terms of like adding that link at the end so you've got that choice because it stands alone it's zero click it doesn't need to have a link but what would be your advice in terms of how often you should do that and, and how you see it affecting the platform and people's behavior if there is actually a link to click yeah I mean that's a good question in that well, one, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the right exact balance is. Um, and as, as I produce content on some of my own top of funnel channels, I'm not always thinking about whether I should drive people to a click. Um, because I would say that there is, I do have, I do publish a lot of kind of bite-sized zero click content that really has, that really doesn't click out to anything else. So if I, if I were forced to kind of put, um, put some kind of number or stat on that. I would say to try to do a sort of 50-50 exchange of, you know, having content that includes links and then content that is truly standalone that doesn't go anywhere. Because if nothing else, you're at least signaling to your audience that you're not always going to try to drive clicks. You're not trying to make them sign up for anything all the time, right? And I think at this point, any internet user is savvy enough to know that we all have things that we want to drive people to <laughs> like that. Like we, we all, we, we know, like we might not know that like that I, for instance, have a blog or a newsletter. Right. But people probably know like, Oh, this person who's publishing has something that they're driving people to whatever that is, whether it's a book, ebook course, blog, newsletter, YouTube show, podcast, that sort of thing. So I would say to really home in on having those standalone insights and then maybe 50-50, you click out or don't. And when you when you provide a you know a link, so you are clicking out and you are providing 
a CTA to go somewhere else. Obviously, the the platforms, as you've already mentioned, they're not always too keen on you sending that signal to them that your intention with this post is to get them off the platform. Um, are there any platforms in particular that like you've noticed are worse for that than others for diminishing maybe reach of your next post or diminishing reach of that post because you've put a link into it? I will say, I I think I... I've seen this most in Twitter, where I think Twitter is the place where you are most likely to get dinged for putting links. I think, you know, and and I don't know exactly why, right? I mean, it could just be purely because of the algorithm in which they just deprioritize content that links people out. Um, But I've noticed that even on LinkedIn, if I add links on something, it doesn't... um, it doesn't do it doesn't perform as well as a post that has no links but it also doesn't completely whiff <laughs> it's not the worst post um but sometimes for twitter like i'll i'll post a link to a blog post crickets like it will die immediately so i would say that i mean where i would be reluctant to call out instagram or tiktok here in these instances are those platforms don't really allow you to link out in general like you know, now on Instagram, you can put links in your stories, but you don't really, that isn't as algorithm dependent as, you know, content is on Twitter or LinkedIn. Yeah, I agree with you. I, we've just run fairly small tests, but when you do use the links in stories, we find that statistics that show that, that you get diminished reach, you know, you'll get like a certain amount of reach on all these posts and the ones where you do use the link feature lo and behold you get a slightly more diminished reach and also on LinkedIn um I 100% agree with you about Twitter I just wondered what you thought and I agree with you on Twitter but I think LinkedIn is sometimes a bit of a um a bit of a sort of funny one about your links as well which is why people often say like link in the first comment and things like that because they're trying to get around yeah. getting that link into the, right. the post. And, you know, <laughs> the funny thing about that though with putting the link in the comments and I, I definitely do this too for LinkedIn is it seems to work right it seems to actually work and boost yourself in the algorithm but it makes for a bad user experience because there are times when I as a consumer I'm scrolling through uh, that I think I want to click on this thing and now if I expand the comments, it doesn't even show the linked post first. I see all these other, you know, all the like, uh, other people's comments, which I was like, no, but I'm looking for the link. So that I find strange. And I, you know, I suppose you'd have to like look into this more, but I find it strange in that it is something that seems to objectively perform better for creators. However, it is a poor user experience. Yeah, it's un- an unusual though, then one then, isn't it? Because they the platform then end up, as you said, they end up like kind of prioritizing and um, I suppose rewarding something, a behavior that creates a word around that gives it less less of a user experience when what they were actually trying to do was improve the user experience by, um, well, I suppose, and their experience of keeping people on the platform. That's not 100% about about the user, is it? Um, With zero-click content, I think um, what can be, a bit scary for people is the the thought of freely giving away value with, with with like less measurable ability to track the ROI. So if it's like zero click content, there's no there's no CTA to go anywhere else. And I suppose really 
you're therefore trying to optimize for impressions and engagement on the platform. Do, do you find that as well, like that there can be a feeling of this is a bit scary because I'm all about the measurement and I'm all about tracking ROI and perhaps like um, just impressions or engagement on a platform isn't going to give me enough of that trackable ROI to how this is going to help my business from a content marketing perspective. Yeah, I mean, and, and this is something a lot of people have asked me as well. Like, well, how how do I make the case to my CEO for creating this kind of content if we can't even track conversions? Which is absolutely a fair question. But the way that I think about it is, and look, and we'll take the example of if you were to do like 50-50 of links and no links to your, to your top of funnel content. Um, the way that I kind of make this case is, for each time that you are maximizing for impressions or optimizing for impressions, not linking people out, right? You keeping people on platform and engage on that platform, you are essentially building up your algorithmic capital, so to speak, right? The more that people, more the more that you get people to engage with your content, the more likely your content will be served up again the next time. So I think of it as building up capital, right? You're building up impressions, 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 high engagement, whatever. And then you burn a little bit of that capital by linking out to your blog or website or, you know, whatever landing page you might have. Um, and that is ultimately what's going to better drive conversion. If you build up the algorithmic capital and then slowly burn it in little chunks, then you're going to be more likely to convert people over time. And so that's one way to look at it like the the sort of algorithmic conversion, you know, optimized way to look at it. But there's also on the brand side, it's on the brand side, you're building affinity with people, right? You're building trust because you're showing that obviously people know you're selling something, right? If whatever industry and obviously you're selling, whether it's a service, software, whatever. Um, but you're showing that that's not the only thing you care about. Right, you're showing like here, I'm giving free value, free value, free value, free value. By the way, sign up for our webinar or listen to our podcast. And at that point, you're also gonna build this sort of affinity with fans or followers who are gonna think, all right, that's fair. Like this person has been providing so much value, um, you know, freely through their LinkedIn posts, reels, whatever, that I get it. You know, ultimately they're ultimately they're promoting a podcast or a YouTube show, and it's totally fair that they would drive us to that. <laughs> yeah, and and I also think um, that you know, from that content marketing perspective, we we often think that the goal is that we want to get you know people fans of our short form content because they're more likely to initially spend time with us in shorter, snappier ways, and then, like you said, they might eventually then migrate over to the the podcast because they've been really finding your tweets great or your like Instagram reels great and then they'll get to the podcast and then they'll start the longer form content and then they'll inquire like you know we must get them from short to long form to inquiry in sale but actually it's not the case is it because there's plenty of people who um will never consume your longer form content they're just not that kind of person they're never going to sit down and watch your like your 30 minute YouTube videos or they're never going to listen to your podcast but for them like the trust is built up enough through being a avid fan of your Instagram reels or your yeah or your Twitter threads you know they become such a fan of the shorter content and that 
moves them through to wanting to work with you, trusting you and all of that as well. So it, that's another thing, isn't it? That it doesn't have to be short to long to sale, does it? We can go short, 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 trust, 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 like inquiry sale, can't we? Yeah, exactly. Hey, just a little break from this week's episode to let you know about becoming a content 10x insider. If you want more content repurposing tips and advice, then why not join hundreds of business owners, marketers, and content creators who get them delivered straight to their inbox once a week by subscribing to the content 10x newsletter. As well as tips and advice, you get industry updates, inspiring stories, exclusive content offers, and more. You can subscribe at content10x.com forward slash newsletter, and there's a link in the show show notes too. Okay, back to this week's episode. At Spark Toro, so you guys create lots of like awesome content. Um, I wanted to just like dig into that a little bit in terms of the decisions that you've made over, you know, your content marketing strategy and where you um, focus your time. It's one of the like the main areas of focus for you, your the office hours that you do, or like how, how does that work in terms of your content? pyramid and strategy yeah I mean I I guess I would say that that um at the moment yeah office hours kind of sits at the center of all this and and I don't it wasn't very intentional I mean the, the original intent of office hours was you know we have a lot of customers who have questions about our product or prospects who have questions about our product we should have some kind of educational series to help them realize more value from the SparkToro platform, right? That's kind of what how why, that's why everybody starts a webinar series, right? Yeah. So <laughs> that was why we started it. We called it Office Hours. So the idea being that we would do some kind of short presentation that shows people how to get better utility out of SparkToro and people can bring their questions and we can do some quick little demos real time. And that's what we do. Of course, sometimes, a couple of times we've gone a bit off the rails and have just talked about kind of overall marketing strategy. And then occasionally I'm like, oh, I forgot the SparkToro part. <laughs> we got to put that in. Um, so that was kind of the, you know, the idea of that. And, and we started out by doing this every other week or so. So about twice a month. Um, this was in 2021. And then over this past year, 2022, um, we've been scaling it down to about once a month or so, um, just because we've had a, a great backlog of content created. We've also sort of wanted to focus more on, you know, um, writing on the blog and producing our virtual summit, which was just, you know, last week or so. Um, so we kind of put some more resources behind that. And so I would say where, where the strategy is with, with office hours today is I think about it, like how can multiple types of content or channels kind of feed or nurture office hours? So I might publish a Twitter thread or a LinkedIn post about any given topic to see, to kind of see if people like the idea, right? Like maybe I'll do a rant on cold outreach. I'm like, I don't like the way people are doing cold outreach. I have a strong opinion for how people should do it. You know, when, and I'll publish this, I'm like, here's some advice and I'll kind of see what people think about that. So I guess that's an example of zero click content, right? Like having this sort of, uh, a, a shorter form piece about here's my quibble with the status quo. Here's how I think people should do it. Here's some advice for doing that thing. And then kind of based on whatever reception I get from that, like if people respond to it well, if 
people seem to have a lot of questions or comments. From there, I think, okay, this idea has legs. Like clearly people are talking about this thing. What can I do next? So from there, I, I, um, yeah, from there, we turned this into an office hours series because then I was like, well, clearly people want more about this topic. They're engaged with this. Let's do an office hours um, webinar episode where we basically take the ideas from this Twitter thread and expound on them, make them better, and then show people how to use SparkToro to improve the quality of their cold outreach. So we did that in the in the office hours. And even, and you know, because I was quick to get that get up that registration page, I was able to add that onto my Twitter thread to be like, if you want to learn more, sign up for our webinar. We got people to sign up. I think we probably had... I think we had around 800 signups for this webinar. Wow. Performed very well. <laughs> Amazing. Um, mm. Did the webinar, right? Where it was like, here, you know, here's the advice. And then of course, that's another opportunity to get more feedback from attendees. Like people in the chat asking questions, submitting them in the Q&A, even just hearing from Rand, like seeing him react real time. That gives me more feedback to continue to further refine the thought. And then after that, I took my learnings from the from the slide deck and the feedback that I got and refine that further into a blog post. So if you were to like look up cold outreach SparkToro, you'd probably find all these resources. And now it's like codified in this 2000 word blog post or so in which the office hours webinar is also embedded. So it's sort of like, here's this post. If you want to like listen to a version of this blog post, you know, not it wasn't me reading it, right? If you want to like, like listen to or watch the presentation version, you can or read this post. So this was a nice way to sort of use office hours as the center of the strategy where we're, you know, testing a validated idea, receiving feedback real time, iterating on it, and then publishing it into a written piece that it kind of stands the test of time. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I love the, you know, the first example, you know, at the start, like you said, testing the idea with the thread. Um, it's something that I've done a few posts on called like a content MVP, it's like the, the minimum viable product, but like the content. So you do your MVP and you see the I response and then you build the product. <laughs> so I've done yeah. a few episodes on that. Um, but no, I absolutely love that. What a great example of like like you said, like the fir the first thread was zero click content at first, like because there was nothing that, that, to click to. It was literally just like testing the reaction, testing people's opinions. So you were able to quickly then get the, you know, when you sorted out the webinar, add a add a sneak in the click for that at the end. But um, it was zero click content getting all that opinion. And it's just wonderful. Then you did a like completely useful targeted office hours because it was like you said completely based on responding off your audience and then leading on to the blog post i'm keen to know um so you had a a, a blog post that you said is evergreen like useful stand the test of time and you've got the video in there as well um did you do anything further so did it feature in your newsletter like did the article or a summary of it did you do a follow-up thread about it a slice and dice the webinar like i'd love to know is there anything more that you did from from that one i don't think there is but i probably should have and i probably <laughs> still can i mean i've well, taken exactly. some yeah i've taken some principles from that and um repurposed it into uh newsletter content but i've not done like a follow-up thread <laughs> 
Yeah, like you said, though, it's always time to do repurposing. You don't always have to do repurposing in the moment like that. And it can be good to continue to see, you know, how well that content performs before spending more time on the repurposing. So that makes sense. But it's still a, a really fantastic example. Um, what platform do you guys um, do the office hours? Is it a live? Is it a live that then gets posted um, or is it uh, like pre-recorded? It's live. Uh, so we've been using a platform called Crowdcast and we've been, we're in the midst of finding a new platform provider. We used Goldcast for our virtual summit and we're going, we're going to be exploring Wistia Live's new platform. So Wistia launched a similar sort of live webinar platform with, you know, nice interface, live chat. So we're excited to test that out. With ju just like, don't want to wrap up the conversation without just talking a little bit about Spark Toro because, um, as you know, I had Rand on the podcast a little while ago, 2021, and had a wonderful conversation about Spark Toro um, and about, you know, how it works. And for anybody, you know, who didn't listen to that episode and would love to know a little bit more about it. Um, and I guess there's probably been updates ever since I spoke to Randall, 100% there will have been. Um, could you just explain a little bit more to the to the content marketers listening right now just on like SparkToro? Yeah, thank you. Um, so SparkToro helps you as a founder, marketer, entrepreneur, helps you find your audience's sources of influence. So it would be the social accounts they follow, podcasts they listen to, YouTube channels they subscribe to, and more recently, the Reddit uh, Reddits or subreddits that they also frequent. So you can do this search by way of how people might self-identify, which works quite well, especially in B2B, because a lot of people would publicly self-identify as like marketing director or CEO. Um, so that's one way you can search for your audience. You can also search based on social accounts that you know they follow or websites you know they frequent or hashtags you know that they use. So perhaps if you're trying to market to teachers, you might want to you know, search for this audience by doing a SparkToro search for my audience uses, uses the hashtag uh, education week or things like that. Um, so from there, you know, it's sort of sky's the limit, right? So you can use this to inform your cold outreach or find people to reach out to. Uh, you could also use this to sort of inform the, the how of your content marketing strategy. So, right, so where keyword research can tell you the keywords that people are searching for, keyword research won't tell you who is searching for them or why. But in SparkToro, you can see the topics that people are talking about online. And you can see like, oh, okay, I can see that marketing directors over the past couple months have been talking about email marketing. That's interesting. I wonder if there's an email marketing trend that I should keep an eye out for. So that's something that keyword research wouldn't tell you. Um, you can also use it to do your PR pitches. Um, what else? Find new social accounts to follow and then just better keep up in your industry. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you have something like a podcast, you can get good ideas for new, new and interesting guests within your industry and things like that. I find it really useful. I find um, it's really interesting what you said about finding out more about what they're thinking and who they are, because with, with search, you can find out at that point in time what somebody is thinking but you don't know anything about them but then with social you can find out everything about a person but you don't know anything about what they're thinking <laughs> and then with spark tarot kind of closes the gap of 
you're just feeling like you know more about these audiences it, it like what they're thinking who they are like where they hang out what they like what you know it it gives you a really strong feeling of understanding your audience more so that i think than you know some of those other more like just more narrow ways of understanding what do they type in google or what do they what demographic features do they have on a social platform but it just helps you really more deeply understand for whatever whatever reason you need to understand more about a group of people I guess isn't it, it might not necessarily mm-hmm. be like we said like audience research for marketing purposes it could be you know peers in your industry um, for event like finding speakers finding you know oh, yeah. all sorts of things yeah so yeah absolutely in terms of like the reddit feature that just jumped out to me that that is that recently new that sounds yeah so this was in over the past, yeah, past two months or so, we launched this. Um, so now you can find the fastest growing subreddits rel- in, within your audience. So that's been super interesting and fun to explore because Reddit data has been so hard for marketers to find. And, and I think, you know, market most marketers or maybe a lot of marketers find Reddit marketing intimidating, right? Because Reddit is just a very special and unique social community where it is truly a community, right? People are, it's very interest or topic-based. It's not really person-centric, right? You know, we're like on Twitter, you kind of follow influencers or people people within the niche, but Reddit's like you follow topics or interests that you really passionately care about. And so it has a very strong community element. And, you know, a lot of the most upvoted answers tend to be the ones that are most nuanced or very detailed. So it's a very special community to market in. And I'm putting market in air quotes because it's not the place where you would just go in and say, hey, everyone, try out SparkToro. Like, you would never do that, (laughs) right? You would go in and lead with that value of like, hey, here's a great way to, you know, learn more about your audience. I would go to these other subreddits and, you know, all those good, other good stuff. You would never lead with your product pitch. <laughs> no, he'd probably get in trouble on Reddit if he did that, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it's a wonderful place to, um, to find out what people are talking about, isn't it? So when you're doing, for example, content research and you're looking at your audience, what are they sort of tweeting about and what are they Instagramming about? But like Reddit really gives you a, a good idea of what people because you follow those interests and people go quite deep on reddit so on spark toro could you put in um like a podcast that you know your audience really like to listen to and it will tell you uh potentially the subreddits that they, that audience may also be um involved in like um following um, or somewhat so you can't search in spark toro based on podcasts what you can do is if the podcast host has some sort of um, social following, you can search for my audience follows a social account and then the podcast host social account. And then from there, find the influential Reddits. That's really cool. And I have to check mm-hmm. that out. Yeah, <laughs> That's that, yeah, no, it's really good because we've, uh, I often think that Reddit is a an overlooked um channel for yeah like um, for different for having conversations and for understanding more about more deeply about what, what's going on with your industry and your audience mm-hmm. so that's really cool and <laughs> um, Amanda it has been such a fantastic conversation we've talked about um various different things in it and know that the audience are just gonna really really have a great time listening to this conversation <laughs> in terms of I guess kind of like one sort of final question what would you say is like the 
the biggest mistake that you see people making when they're almost following like the opposite of zero click content. So if zero click content is really like what we should follow, what's the what's the enemy the biggest enemy of it? What's the biggest mistake people make that, <laughs> in terms yeah. of like the opposite? <laughs> I think the biggest mistake people make today is using the marketing tactics that worked 12 years ago. So this would be like using kind of overplayed or, you know, overplayed teasers, like want more leads, check out our webinar to learn how, where it's, yeah, of course I want more leads. Like, what do you think? <laughs> or it's want to learn how to write the best headlines. I mean, sure. I, I mean, like, of course I would, I would want to know how to write the best headlines. Um, but that kind of played out teaser type of content doesn't work so well anymore unless you find a way to make that teaser um especially like fresh and novel which is a very rare skill right i think i think maybe more successful today the version instead of teasers you would do like a hot take that you can back up or expound on in the greater context of the long form podcast or a research report that you did yeah, I really love that. Um, I completely agree with you and just, yeah, great. And it, what's a shame is people who invest in content marketing courses and things like that, that are still teaching these methods from 2012 or earlier as well. Because, you know, sometimes people can't help but they're just being taught such outdated ways as well, aren't they? Which always kind of really annoys me. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, thank you so much, Amanda. It's been such a, a wonderful conversation. In terms of um, kind of connecting with you where would you like people to to go yeah so you can find me on my personal site amandanet.com I have a newsletter there um, I also am on LinkedIn and on Twitter as Amanda Nett. and I highly recommend everybody must connect with Amanda on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter because uh, she posts such fantastic content uh, Often when there's polls of who is the person to follow in content marketing, Amanda is very usually the first person people say or high up there. So just uh, go go follow Amanda on those social platforms for sure and check out the newsletter, of course. I'll put the links to everything in the show notes. Um, so thank you again, Amanda. It's been awesome. So yes, enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Amy. Have a great night. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that discussion and thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy the Content 10X podcast, then why not hit that subscribe button on your podcast listening app of choice so that you can get updated when new episodes are released. And I'd really, really appreciate it if you could leave a review as well. That really makes a difference for the podcast. Also, please do get a copy of my book, Content 10X, more content, less time, maximum results. It is the ultimate guide to repurposing every type of content and it's available on Amazon in Kindle and paperback and also in audiobook as well and you can head to content10x.com forward slash book to find all the other places that you can get a copy of my book and if you would like us to do your content repurposing for you then we offer a fully end-to-end done-for-you content repurposing service this is for podcasters and video content creators we have our podcast 10x video 
SEO 10X and also our specific LinkedIn 10X service, helping you to become the leading authority in your industry on LinkedIn. You can find out so much more about our services on our website. And also please do give me a follow on the social media platforms. I share lots and lots of tips and advice on social media about content repurposing. I'm at content10x on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And if you try content10x.com forward slash LinkedIn, you'll find my LinkedIn profile over there as well. All that's left to say is thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and I'll catch you in the next one.